You're listening to Climate Champions, a podcast from the Architects' Journal. I'm Hattie Hartman, Sustainability Editor at the Architects' Journal. In this episode, we continue our focus on France, speaking to one of the country's leading practitioners of eco-responsible architecture. And I'm Hattie's co-host, George Morgan, Director of 1.5 Architecture. I like to see the specificity of sites. And you know, in France, we, and even in Great Britain, you have all the seasons and you have a real difference of geography uh, and climate. If you accept the idea that it's possible to make the project with the richness of the existing solutions, with the consideration of the incredible specificities of the sites, of the environment, of the geography, of the cultures, your work will be uh, rich. And it is creative because if you want to get out of the modern practice, you have to make some effort to stop building concretes. It is not just a technical approach, it is a political approach. And architecture is political. Our guest today is French architect and urban designer Philippe Madec, together with Dominique Gauzin Muller, whom we spoke to in our last two episodes. Philippe is one of the founders of the French Manifesto for Frugal, Happy, and Creative Architecture. He trained with modernist Henri Siriani in the 1980s and founded his own practice in 1989. He has built extensively across France housing, public buildings, and many urban design and master planning projects which feature abundant green spaces. He has a lot to say about the role of landscape in his work, as well as fascinating insights into how his encounter with Kenneth Frampton at Columbia in New York in the 1980s, and in particular Frampton's 1983 essay, Towards a Critical Regionalism, Six Points for an Architecture of Resistance, was a defining encounter which shaped the future direction of his work. I found this really interesting because it was the first time I'd made a direct link between regionalism and ecological architecture. Over a career of almost four decades, Philippe has combined practice, teaching, and writing, and he is the author of 17 books. Philippe, You've been promoting a deep green agenda in the built environment in France for many years. Here we are at the beginning of 2022 with mixed outcomes from COP26. The discourse here in the UK has changed significantly, but mainstream practice still has a long way to go. How do you see the situation in France? Do you see the industry changing? Are you optimistic about the way things are moving in France? Well, I'm optimistic, but for different reasons than the governmental policy. 
I am optimistic because the new generation is arriving. The students in the schools of architecture and engineering are born in the 21st century. And because the new practice of architecture is more collective, modifies the relation with the client between architects and also between architects and craftsmen. Yes, uh, I know it is difficult. I know that the 21st century will be uh, a century of fights. But I think that we are able, with this new generation, to change things. I completely agree with you. There is enormous energy among students and younger architects here in the UK too. And it also makes me hopeful. When thinking about how to build in a sustainable way, a lot of it is about what you shouldn't do, like using too much steel or energy or land. But in your work, there is an enthusiasm for what we can do, like a cobblestone dome in a winery, a big span of timber trusses in a church, or playful forms like buildings standing on stilts at Park Mistera. Could you elaborate on your approach? The first point is the to be conscious of our responsibility in uh, the global uh, disaster. The impact of our works, when you pour one ton of reinforced concrete, there is one ton of CO2 that is produced. So yes, we have to change our way of building we have to stop the use of the modernist model. No more concrete structure, no more uh, air conditioning, etc., etc. Philippe, do you think clients are starting to understand this? Are they starting to ask for new ways of building? Is the public sector, that is the government and its commissions for public buildings, leading the way? Or do you have to persuade clients to make the right choices? In fact, the, the situation is changing, really. I began at the end of the 80s, and during the 90s, I, I have not a lot of work to do because the clients were not interested in ecology. I used not to say that I was an ecologist uh, and, and an architect involved in eco-responsibility. Really, we have a lot of work to do today, and it is increasing every month, I think. And the, the size of the project is also changing. During the 90s, I was a specialist of the buildings below uh, 800 meters. <laughs> today, we are working on, on very large projects. Most of them are from public clients. But what is really also interesting is that private clients are coming to us and with a real desire of doing something different. Yes, the things are really changing and deeply because uh, it is not a discourse. They want projects and they pay for it. We've talked with Dominique about the idea of frugality in architecture. For you, how does this relate to a good life? Many of your urban design projects incorporate better and more shared green space than we would typically find in the UK. 
Several of your projects feature food growing and a shared hall with kitchen and crash. Does your idea of frugality promote a more collaborative way of living in a community over private individual consumption? Yes, of course. The notion of frugality, uh, I think it is close to what the Club de Rome exposed in its book Factor 4 in 1997. In fact, the, the subtitle, I'm sorry, but I think it was better in French than in English, but in English it was uh, doubling wealth, halving resource use. But in French it was uh, deux fois plus de bien-être en consommant deux fois moins de ressources. So in French the emphasis is on well-being, not wealth. Yes, I think much more accurate. Of course, it is not a, a simple question of um, energy, carbon, etc. We need to transform our vision of the human settlement in order to create a better world. For us, there is no other solution that than to reduce our use of natural resources. We say happy and, and creative frugality for this because if you accept the idea that it's possible to make the project with the richness of the existing solutions, with the consideration of the incredible specificities of the sites, of the environment, of the geography, of the cultures, you know that your work will be uh, rich, no? Just happy. And it is creative because if you want to, to get out of the modern practice, you have to make some effort to stop building concretes. Frugality is really interesting because it creates links between all the level of the, the human settlement. It is not just a technical approach, it is a political approach. And architecture is political. We deal with the life of the people, of the fact that we live together, not only in cities, but also in the countryside, etc., etc. So that's what uh, frugality is about. Well, now let's talk about some of your work. We asked you to select three projects you'd like to share with our listeners. And the first one is a series of projects in plorin les morlais a town of about 5,000 people on the northern coast of Brittany, west of Saint-Malo. Why have you chosen this project to talk about? It is not my first project, but nearly the first one. At the end of my studies, I, I stopped doing architecture because I, I, I had to understand how to make this uh, an architecture, making the links between nature and culture. It took me seven years or more, and um, it ended in Colombia with Kenneth Frampton. And when I discovered with Ken the, the critical regionalism, in fact, I, I get all the tools to design an eco-responsible... Well, when I say all the tools, maybe not all of them, I, I will precise one, but nearly 
the tools necessary to go out of the modern architecture I have discovered and I still like the modern architecture I discovered with Henri Siriani. But, but I, I knew at that time that it was not possible to go on this way of building architecture. And with Frampton and the critical regionalism, I had these tools. And when I came back in France, I began to teach not architecture because the, the schools of architecture were not interested in my proposals. So I, I went in the landscape school of architecture in Versailles, invited by me by Michel Corajou. And from this situation, I, I've been invited in Harvard because they, they thought I was a landscape architecture. And at Harvard, I discovered uh, sustainable development in 91 at the Business School of Architecture. In France, we, we, don't, we, we, ha we had not lectures on sustainable development. So I came back in 91. I put together the sustainable development and critical regionalism and this project in a small village in Brittany was the opportunity to get off modern architecture and to get off critical regionalism. And to do so, I decided to invite the citizens in the process of design. And I, I did that in Pluralemore during during 14 years. We work on the media library, town hall, post office, social housing, streets, etc., uh, etc. Et But we did all together. We also reopened quarries close to the site to use the stone, historically used in Tourant-les-Morlais to build the walls. In fact, in this project, I verified that what I had in mind was possible. That's why this project is so important. So now it's 30 years later. How has life evolved in this place? Do you see the kind of positive outcomes and positive repercussions from your work? Well, uh, as it has been conceived with the inhabitants, they like to live in their, in their urban center. 25 years later, maybe more, the French Ministry of Culture has decided to create a program on this kind of uh, town, of small towns. It's a way of creating community through providing social infrastructure. Yes, of course, and also to look at the territory in another way. In France, at the end of the 20th century, the, the question of the great cities, metropolis, was the most important. You have to, to deal with Paris, Marseille, Lyon, Nantes, but not the rest of the territory. And today we know that there are many people living in these territories, in these rural territories, and maybe non-urban territories. So I think it was the example of a, of a different look at the territories. So let me be sure I understand. It's kind of a cross between a critical regionalism, understanding how to build rooted in a place and in a context, with some notions about sustainable development and an ecological concern about the planet. 
Yes. In the center of critical regionalism, there is this idea that you are still modern and you go back to the sources. You are still modern, that you are still in this idea of uh, free people, free society, open the spaces, uh, invention. You need to go to the sources. So in Purin, you have this. The architecture is modern with the simplicity of the lines, with the way to install the walls in relation with the urban spaces, etc., etc. And what is ecological is the fact that the inhabitants worked with me to do so. We look at the materials, not only the beauty, the beautiful structure in the light, but as a resources. And also the fact that we consider the question of time as an important uh, way of entering in the project. So materiality from resources, society as a part of conception, and time in the project, for me, are three uh, ecological aspects. So I want to ask you one more thing about the landscape angle that you mentioned before. How do you work now with landscape expertise? Do you have people in your own team who are landscape architects or do you collaborate with landscape architects? How do you bring that into your work? Of course, I I collaborate. When I was a teacher in the schools of architecture at GSD, Harvard and, and Versailles, I saw that there is such a difference in the conception of landscape when the designer is an architect when he is not an architect. <laughs> and I don't like a landscape conceived by a non-landscape architect. But really, I, I like the fact that these landscape architects are working with life in another way as we do. And I like that very much. So um, I need to be fed by their expertise. Let's move on to the second project. This is Aria, a media library and community hall in Corneau-Barieu, about half an hour northwest of Toulouse, completed in 2017. Could you tell us about that? Yes, of course. And we spoke about landscape architecture. And for this project, it was Coloco, who were the landscape architects for us. There were some of our students, and they are good friends, and, and they work with uh, Gilles Clément, maybe the most important uh, landscape architect in France. In fact, for this project in Corne-Barieu, it's a media library, a concert hall and a conference room. We used the, the materials used historically in the vernacular architecture on this side. Wood, earth, and um, natural ventilation, natural light everywhere. But in this case, what is special is the the way we we use earth. There are um, contemporary use of raw earth. One is the CEB, what we call compressed uh, earth bricks. And another one is a poured earth. In this case, 
we realized the first wall of CEB bearing a floor accessible for public inside a public building. And we use also this CEB for acoustic qualities. We installed 33,000 bricks. And with this project, we, we create the industrial process of CEB in France. And we are still working with, with this to, to develop because I'm more interested in CEB and earth than in concrete. So we need also, of course, to use it in an industrial way. So the, this project is, uh, is finished now and uh, all the spaces are mixed together under a very large roof, which is roof open to the landscape. And you see the landscape is outside and inside my projects. And it works well, the, the, the acoustic dimension is very good. So tell us about the project you have on site in Paris now where you're using poured earth. It's also a media library, a médiathèque, and a maison de réfugiés, a kind of a hostel for refugees in the 19th arrondissement in Paris. I believe it's a retrofit of an existing school. Yes. On the side there, there was a hotel high school, a lycée hôtelier. Oh, a secondary school for hotel training. Yes, that's right. Thank you. And uh, in fact, there were two buildings built in concrete, precast concrete in the 70s. But when the concrete is there, I'm not going to destroy it. So I, I prefer to clean it, to clean the structure, to take off all that is not necessary, to open the structure so the light, the wind uh, enters in the structure. So we kept the two buildings and we add a part to link them. We are doing it, huh? it's not finished. Built in wood and it is an oak. And we also use earth and there is a lot of earth to use in the in Ile-de-France now because of the tunnels made to install the, the Paris Express, you know, for, for the Grand Paris. Yes, yes, Grand Paris. Dominique talked to us quite a lot about that. So we use this earth, which is a very good one, really, really very good one. Uh, and we pour it because I, I really think that, well, we're not going to use a cement. Well, let's say we're not going to use Portland cement. And in the former, we are going to pour earth we made a test in this project, and it's, it's really wonderful. So what makes this earth such good earth? What is it that makes it possible to use it in this way? The quality of the clay. There is the clay, then we pour some sand, not a lot. And we use also um, pieces of straw, and we create also a wood structure and the wood structure is used instead of steel structure. But we, the, the quality of the clay here is so that we don't need to add uh, cement. So it's two concrete buildings where I believe you've put exterior insulation. Yes, yes. And, and of course it is a natural isolation because I wanted to respect the mineral aspect of the concrete building. I put 
isolation and then a plaster. But of course, it is also an ecologic plaster. Just to have a better feel for how you work, you have two offices, one in Paris and another in Rennes in Brittany, where you're from. How big is your team now? I think there were 36 or 37. Seven in Brittany and the other part in, in Paris. But you, you know, with the, the COVID, some of our architects are still in their, in their regions. For instance, we have an address in Montpellier, we have another address in Cannes. I live in Brussels, so I, we have also an address in Brussels. And the, things have changed. It is possible to work like this, and maybe uh, in a good way. So the next thing I want to ask you about is this whole notion of retrofitting existing buildings versus building new. Here at the Architects' Journal, we've initiated a campaign called Retro First, to push this notion of the importance of not demolishing buildings and instead retrofitting them. And I've heard you in one of your lectures ask the question, should we build it all? So when you have a client who wants to build a new building, what do you do? What do you tell them? Well, I say that, but I'm not alone. It is a position taken by the uh, movement of the Frugalité Rose et Creative. We have to rehabilitate. Each time when we are invited for competitions, because you know in France we, we get a project through a public project through competitions, we always take the position to keep the existing buildings. Always. In fact, each year in France, and I think it is the same in Europe, we build the equivalent of 1% of the existing buildings each year. In this new 1%, what is the ecological part? Almost nothing, zero. Nearly nothing, no? So it is not with the new that we are going to reduce the, this impact of 50% of gas emissions. No? So we need to rehabilitate the existing. I feel that during the 15 years, the 15 years of the second part of the 20th century, we have built France, we have rebuilt France. In the 15 years from now, we are going to rehabilitate it. And it is not just an idea. We received many proposals for competitions coming from cities. In these cities, they rehabilitate all their schools built in the 60s and the 70s. And we know now that the, the concrete lasts 60 years, no more. So we need to rehabilitate what has been built in the 20th century. And we also know that there is a part of the existing buildings empty. What do we do with that? We need to rehabilitate the existing world. And we go back to Courant et Morlaix. As this world is inhabited, we rehabilitate it with the people. I know you've done a lot of teaching over the years, Philippe, and I don't know how involved you are in teaching now. 
but do you see architectural education as fit for purpose? Are students being taught about how to rehabilitate existing buildings? Yes, I think. Well, in the schools. Well, I've stopped to teach. I was just at the end of my time. It was possible for me to teach two more years, but I decided to, to stop because I give a lot of time to Frugalité Rose Creative. But I saw in the schools that the, the students are interested in rehabilitation because they knew the, the importance to do so. The idea of the uh, wow object, it's not maybe what, what they are interested in. I've been impressed by the fact that the architects could be the conceal of the people and not maybe the author of architecture. Really, they are looking at, at their future uh, differently now. I began to teach in 85 and, uh, and I've seen many generations of students. This one is really interesting, but really interesting. You have done several passive house projects over the years. What is your view on passive house as a way forward? Of course, my ideas are different today than 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Of course, when I discovered the the passive house label in Austria, especially in the Vorarlberg region, I've been impressed and I really appreciate it, really. But I don't like labels because they, they are generic. So I don't want to work like the modern with generic position. I like to see the specificity of sites. I like to understand the difference of geography and climate. In France, if you draw a line from Normandy, the upper part of Normandy, you go to Lyon, and then to follow the Alps, maybe the Passivos label is interesting on the north of this line. The, the summer comfort is more important than the winter comfort. We know how to eat a house. We know this by heart. But we have to work on the quality of the habitation during the summer. On the south of this line, uh, uh, there are areas where you don't need to heat at all. And I think that if you use a bioclimatic conception, if you get two hours of sunlight on the 21st of December, if you put a good isolation, outside isolation, and a good inertia inside, if you add sun protection for the summer, that's it. And you know, in France, we, and even in Great Britain, you have all the seasons, and you have a real difference of geography and climate. We are not in Germany or in Switzerland or in Austria. So we need to deal with that. And uh, so that, that's why I'm, I'm no longer interested in Passive House uh, label. Very interesting. Passive House is growing by leaps and bounds here in the UK. 
we are north of the line you just described. And one of the main reasons Passive House is so effective is because it requires operational emissions to be monitored in use for a full year after completion. But it does not take in the holistic approach to local materials and landscape that you are advocating. So those would be additional things to consider. I'd like to ask you about something else, the reuse of materials and the notion of urban mining. We're starting to hear these terms used here, taking components of existing buildings or even using waste materials to build new. Have you any experience with this on your projects? Yes. Um, before the concrete, 18th century, uh, 19th century, you buy buildings to deconstruct them. You gave offers, financial offers, to buy buildings to deconstruct them. And it is more difficult with concrete. <laughs> and now we are rediscovering what was use, useful and, and easy before. Yes, of course, we, we deconstruct the projects. We don't destroy them. And it is so important now in France that in our public contract, there is a new mission for architects and engineers called Reuse Diagnosis. And I think it was in December, uh, last December, there was a new law called uh, La Loi Anti-Gaspillage pour une Économie Circulaire. Yes, anti-waste circular economy legislation. This was featured in an important exhibition called Waste Age at the Design Museum here in London. We interviewed the curator in episode 20. That's really interesting that it applies to buildings as well. Well, the, the difficulty with the laws in France that uh, there are many uh, announcement effect and maybe not the funds to help them. You mean it's difficult to enforce them? Yes, but, uh, well, I, I see in our projects, well, in all our projects right now, that we have no problems to to deal with the clients on uh, reuse. They ask for it and, uh, and they help us to do so. It is easy. <laughs> I don't know what to say on another way. It is like to sell your clothes on Vinted, you know. People understand it is better to do so. This is taking hold here, but more slowly. I'd like to ask you about your books. You mentioned that your very first book was about Etienne Louis Boulet. You recently have a book out called Mieux avec moins, Better with Less, and I assume this is a play on Mises Less is More. Tell us about your new book. Yes, in fact, it is not directly... Uh a play with uh, less is more. Because you know more, it is so modern. Always more. No, I'm not interested in always more. But better with less materials and less uh, energy and less etc. etc. But the, uh, the subtitle is Architecture and Frugality for Peace. You know what, what is happening in the northeast of Europe. The wars are about the natural resources. And if we change our way of doing architecture, of building, 
if all our architecture are B plus, as we say, positive buildings, we don't need gas from Russia. Of course, it is too simple what I say, but you understand that the impact of our actions is incredible. We all have to change our way of building. So this book is to show them that we know to do in different ways. We know that because we have already done that. We have already built architecture with alternative solutions. It is possible. We have to work with the nature, not against it, but with the nature, and the nature is so generous. It is possible, it is simple, if we are free to do it. This is the purpose of this book. And there is another book called Commune Frugale, La Révolution du Ménagement. It is published in, in 10 years in Chez Actes Sud. Mieux avec moi is about architecture, just architecture. And I, I think we need to have books on architecture. Where is the architecture? Because between construction and urban planning. So this book is on architecture. And the other one, Commune Frugale, is on the human settlement. Yes, urban design and urban settlement. Before we close, Philippe, you've pretty much answered this, but I'd like to ask you a question that I ask many of our guests, which is how did you get started on this approach to ecological architecture? I'm from Brittany. My father was an oysterman, and my grandfather was a um, mill owner. He was a sourcier. He was able to find sources, to find springs, water. And in Brittany, we know to live together. It's a joy to live, to live together. And the relation with the others and the relation with the nature is a gift from Brittany. And I've been uh, surprised by what I've discovered with Cyrene. It was so different. But I liked it too. I like modern architecture, you know? I don't like modernism, but I like modern architecture. And my work was to put all together the Breton heritage and the modern architecture. And thanks to Frampton, I, I succeeded. That's really interesting. So what's next in your pipeline that you're most excited about coming up? Well, of course, the, the movement of frugality. It is not new, but it is there and it is very important. And there is also a project in, the, in Bordeaux. It's a winery and a, and a sailor cave for a um, Grand Cru called Cantonac Brown. And Cantonac Brown has been created by a Scottish man, Mr. Brown, more than 200 years ago. And we are making a project really engaged. This one is a large one, maybe the, the largest we made. We use earth, we use wood, we don't use Portland cement to cool the winery. We, we use a climatic well. The, the paints are made with a floor and, well, the list is very long and all the, the products used for this project is verified by a laboratory to be sure that it is perfectly healthy. So it, it will be finished for 2023. Well, many architects have designed 
vineyard buildings. So we look forward to seeing yours. Well, this one is really different. It is not an object in the vineyards. It is the rehabilitation of the existing uh, buildings. And, uh, and I'm sure the, the most ecological uh, projects in the Bordeaux region for the wine. And if our listeners would like to find out more about your work, where should they go? In fact, there is a, a site, madec.net. And of course, uh, for frugality, www.frugalit.org. And for those who, who are interested in reading French, my books are there. I wrote more than 17 books. And there is a site called uh, philippemadec.ue where there are all my texts, except those of the, third, of the three last years. I had no time to put them. Thank you, Philippe. It's been wonderful to talk to you. We'll put links in the show notes to your website with links and images for the projects we've discussed and a link to another of your websites with much of your writing for anyone who reads French. Thank you, Hattie. Thank you, George. And do come back in two weeks for our next episode. We're going much further afield to Bangladesh to speak to Marina Tabasam, recipient of the Sone Medal in 2021, and also recently shortlisted for the LSE's academic building at 35 Lincoln's Inn Fields as part of a team with John McCaslin and partners. If you're enjoying Climate Champions, please rate us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. It helps people find us so we can build an audience. You can find the show notes for this and previous episodes at architectsjournal.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.